If you've ever been in a church that wondered the same thing as I have, your lives are built around that. You look at the newspaper, you listen to the radio, you wonder when are all these things going to happen? And so they were questioning him, and this is his response. So if you are able, would you stand for a reading from the Gospel of Matthew? We're going to be reading verse 36 of chapter 24 and verses 42 through 44. And his response to his disciples was, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. O oh, gracious God, allow these words now to enter into our heart that we may gain hearts of wisdom and strength as we move through this season, as we also await that which is to come, of which we know not the time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It used to be that I wore a watch. What this is is not a watch. It's one of those pedometer things that tracks all your steps and everything and uh, does a few other things that I have no idea what it does, but it, it, I, I check how many steps. So how many steps? 3,600 steps already this morning. I don't know if that's a lot or not, uh, but maybe for some it is, maybe for others it's not. Uh, but, but look at that. I keep checking all day long to see how many steps that I put in. Can you imagine if this was a watch? How many times I would check my watch? Were you like that every time? I gave up wearing watches, probably when I was in my mid-20s. I just stopped wearing watches because I'd always be looking to see what time it was. What time is it? What time is it? I was just like a little kid. What time is it? And, it just, and, and so it, it, it's just kind of... So I stopped wearing watches because I, I, I refused to be governed by the time and by the watch because there are plenty of opportunities for me to catch the time if I really needed to, to know it. When I think about time, I think of another interesting thing that uh, back in 1993, there was a, a, a kind of a... A movie out, it was by uh, Bill Murray. It was called Groundhog Day. He was uh, portraying a weatherman, so I, it, with the little bit of laughter that spilled through the congregation, it tells me that you know what I'm talking about. He was caught in this time loop that uh, he woke up every morning and he was covering uh, Puxatani Phil or something like that, and, and he was covering that as the weatherman in this uh, movie, and he got caught in this time loop, and he'd wake up every morning and find himself Groundhog Day all over again. Someone did some research. It's amazing what people research. It's reported that the number of days repeated during the film was 12,403 days, nearly 34 years. I mean, 
who wants to find that little piece of information out? Really? I mean, get a life. Uh, so, 12,403 days in that film. Uh, I suppose it makes a point. I begin to wonder, how does it relate to anything having to do with Christmas? When we talk about the Christmas story, we talk about time as part of that story and how important time was when we consider what is going on in the story. Many ancient people, perhaps uh, were not aware, oriented their lives around agricultural practices, and, and that became embedded into religious practices at the time. The routines of planting and harvesting, for instance, the seasons were all very important to some of the ancient people, the cycles of the seasons. And time became a series of cyclical repetitions. And for many ancient people, we're not talking about Jewish people now. We're, we're talking about aboriginal tribes. We're talking about ancient peoples. There was usually a day during the course in their history where it would be kind of like rehitting the, the reset button, rebooting one's life, that when you hit that day and you went through certain routines and through certain rituals and religious sorts of things, it was as if you were starting your life all over again for another year. And so there was a sense of cyclical time in some of these ancient people. We might say it this way, deja vu all over again. <laughs> Enter God and a certain people who came to understand and come into a relationship with God. And instead of cyclical understandings of time, people began to take on an understanding of time that was a linear progression. There was a, a movement forward. There was a purpose. There was a history that continued on from year to year. It just didn't cycle all over again but rather there was a progression of time. And, and so that is something that we usually don't understand when we're reading through uh, the Old Testament especially, that people of, of the Jewish uh, uh, faith were, were beginning to understand that time was different from the people who surrounded them and some of the other cultures that surrounded them. It wasn't just that they were worshiping someone different, God Almighty the one true God, they also had a different understanding of how time worked and functioned within their lives. A lot of this, if you want to look up, has to do with a person by the, by the name of Mircea Eliada, and has done a lot of research in, into this area of how faith peoples understood time. In reality, our understanding of time is a little bit of both. We still have cycles, don't we, that we go through throughout our lives, but we kind of have cycles that keep a linear progression, that keep moving forward. We reflect ancient thinking when we ring in the new year, the new year as of January 1st. What do we say of that new year? We ring in the new year. We start afresh all over again. And so when we say that type of a phrase, we're actually repeating some of the notions of time that were from some of the original cultures of history. This idea of cycles. 
Even Christmas is a part of a larger cycle, if you will, of the Christian calendar where we compress all of Jesus' life and ministry into one year, the season of Advent, of Christmastide, Epiphany, then comes uh, the Lenten season, Pentecost, Kingdom Tide, and so we compress into one year the life and meaning of Christ in His entirety, or best we can in one year. We store our Christmas decorations away only to take them out again right about now. Thank you, by the way, to the many people who put up the tree and the garlands and decorated outside. Wonderfully done, beautifully done. Thank you so much. We might need to replace a few bulbs, and certain decorations have outlived their life just a little bit, but we put them out anyway because it's the right thing to do. This tradition. Worship experiences rehearse the story of long ago, of how God broke into time with the Word made flesh to, of Jesus to demonstrate His love for us, to reconcile us, to forgive us, to redeem us, to show us that life is not just like a life in a, camp, in, in a hamster cage spinning our wheels all the time, but that there's purpose in life. There is a forward for, a progression. There are goals that we can achieve. There are things that we can move towards, especially those things of the kingdom of God. Christians have a forward look. And so what concerns many Christians from the beginning of the church, even of the disciples, is when will Christ return? I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of people talking, but it's not the first time I've heard it happen. A lot of people saying, we must certainly be in the end of time. All the stuff that's happening with the climates, all the stuff, all the unrest that we're seeing. Well, I, I don't want to dismiss those sorts of thoughts, but I've heard those things throughout my ministry. If it was not what we're talking about now, 40 years ago, it was something else we were talking about. All the earthquakes, all the whatevers, fill in the blank. And so, I want us to understand that when it comes to issues of is this the end time or not, is this coming closer to the time that Christ returned, I think the simple answer is, well, yes, every day forward. <laughs> but we have a forward look. Remember how it said in, in, uh, of Simeon in Luke 2, verse 25, how he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You see, even in the Christmas story, people were waiting for something. Simeon was waiting. He was in the temple waiting. Is it time? What time is it? He was guided there into the temple by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there he was able to meet eye to eye, face to face, the infant Jesus. Even back in Jesus' own time, as he was being born, there was this feeling of expectation, this feeling of waiting for, wondering what time it is. Like children waiting for Christmas, or a couple waiting for their wedding day, or a family waiting to start a vacation. There's that expectation, that time waiting. 
Sometime, what we wait for doesn't arrive, at least not in our lifetime. So what do you do? We, we hunger for answers. Even the people of Jesus' own time had to be content to wait. But how do we wait? What time is it? It becomes almost like a question that children ask from the back seat of the car. Are we there yet? You're just waiting for that line, weren't you? If you're the people from Thessalonica, you worry that you've missed the time. That's why Paul wrote his letters to them. No, you haven't missed the time. Throughout ages, people read signs into the ages. This is surely the end time. Look how terrible the world has gotten, people say. This is surely the end of the time. And they take great efforts at aligning all of the events and all the people with biblical prophecy, and they keep adjusting those events as generations go by. Don't get me wrong. I think biblical prophecy is absolutely necessary and important for us to have an understanding. What I struggle with is how people, well-intentioned, will use that prophecy for their own gain and in creating fear as a motivation for bringing people closer to God. I have a serious problem with that. Still others along the way just give up waiting. Well, what Jesus promised or what others have promised, well, isn't going to come. So let's just, let, let's just have a party. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Who cares? But Jesus offers another way. What time is it? And Jesus answers in a curious way. No one knows about that hour or day, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, keep watch. If you turn on TV and you turn on someone who says that they know the time, have them look up that verse. That's the verse I go by. Therefore, keep watch, like the owner of the house, lest robbers come. We'll talk about more of that next week. Because Christians understand time as linear, we know that we participate in moving forward in our personal faith, become more Christ-like in our character. So while we're waiting, while we're watching, there are very important things for us to be doing. We need to move forward in our faith. We need to continue to look towards guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit, from God's presence with us, that we would continue to grow in our relationship with Him and our relationship with other people, being people and agents of transformation as Jesus was, and never give up on that. We can look around at this world and say, man, you're going to hell in a handbasket. And we can sit back in our easy chairs and watch it happening. And so the question that is begged of us then is, so what are we doing about it? As people of faith, as people governed by love and grace, so what are we doing about it? That's what we're about in this 
time really in between times. Through Jesus, we have a taste of glory. He has shown us what the kingdom of God is like. We can taste it. Because we have experienced God's Son, we can bear witness to Him and make a difference in this world by promoting His way and not just our own. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to encourage us, to empower us, and to to inspire us along the way. What time is it? We're living between the times. We live between the time of Jesus' coming and His return. As Paul describes in his letter to the Romans, we live in that time when the earth groans as if in childbirth, awaiting redemption. Jesus continues his teaching about time in the next chapter in Matthew 25, where five wise and five foolish bridesmaids await the arrival of the bridegroom. The custom of that time was that no one knew precisely, exactly, when the wedding was going to be. Travel times and various things. Uh, It's not like in this day where we receive an invitation in the mail at 10 o'clock Saturday or at 2 o'clock on Saturday at this place. Here's where the wedding is. Better show up or you miss it. It just wasn't that way in that time. There could be a waiting period of upwards of five days or so. Somewhere in that time frame, the wedding would take place. So you'd have to watch, make sure that you didn't miss And so as the the parable unfolds, the five wise bridesmaids brought oil enough with their lamps to last that waiting period, and the foolish ones did not, and for some reason the groom was delayed, and only the wise maids had oil enough to begin the celebration, the wedding banquet, a phrase that is often used to describe heaven or the kingdom of God. What time is it? I pray that our love will not grow old. I pray that we will not turn away from our faith in the waiting. Or will we tackle the things of this world with the urgency that Jesus will return? And in fact, will. And in fact, with the knowledge that he is present with us here and now. There's a biblical scholar by the name of N.T. Wright who makes the comment that he is present with us at this moment, but hidden behind an invisible veil, thin places, a phrase that this church has heard for a number of years, thin places which keep heaven and earth apart for the time being, but moments of prayer, moments of communion, Moments of worship, moments of service, reveal what's behind the veil. You see, we touch the end time. We touch eternity every time we engage in God's work. What time is it? We are in the end time, in a manner of speaking. And we have been all along. 
we move day by day closer to whenever that time may be. That's what Jesus did when he first came that Christmas long, long ago. He came to this world to minister, and so should we in his name. Wherever we go, wherever he calls, not avoiding the world, not conforming to the world, but by being transformed by the renewing of our mind and transforming those around us more and more into the likeness of Christ as we ourselves are. We're not hamsters in a cage spinning our wheels. We're not Bill Murray on Groundhog's Day. This is the day the Lord has made. We call upon Jesus for forgiveness and grace, for strength and power and support. We move forward, not just turn a new leaf, not just go through another cycle, but we move forward. So, dear God, awaken us to possibilities. Awaken our mind, dear God, to your lively presence. Awaken our spirit, dear God, that we might indeed be the people you call us to be. And we await that time where we shall know fully your kingdom, look face to face upon you in your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.